We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Earlier this week, Claire Tippins shared a princess nickname generator, three pictures of her dog wearing a tutu, and two online quizzes, including what candy is your dream castle made of? Claire, your sharing has tipped the sugar scale and turned into oversharing. But have no fear, princess. Geico has something worth sharing with your internet kingdom, like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance just by visiting geico.com. No magic wand required. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you deposit for a free contest entry today. It is Tuesday, December 29th. I am Jake Letarski here alongside Eric Turi. If you are out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. You can follow myself at JakeSki52. This will be our final waiver wire podcast of 2015, doing things a little bit differently today, but we'll get to that in a second. Eric, outside of our matchup this week, uh, how'd you fare championship weekend? I know you had a few teams that uh, were vying for the big prize. Uh, yeah, indeed. So I had uh, two championship matchups, uh, one with you and one uh, elsewhere, and that mm-hmm. one, the latter one, actually went well. Ours, unfortunately, mm-hmm. did not. Uh, I think we were separated by less than a point, mm-hmm. and that basically came down to Demarius Thomas needing one more catch in that overtime period. Yeah, indeed. Uh, I was, I had a ten and a half point lead, maybe. Yeah, and you got somewhere between nine and a half and and 10 out of Demarius Thomas. So I barely hung on for a little bit. I believe it's not too late for, I believe it is too late for any scoring corrections at this point. So, uh, so yeah, this is our office free roll, a 16 teamer. Uh, you know, of course we're finishing one, two here. Uh, now I got to pick a a Madison restaurant. I want to get a gift card to, and that, and that's going to be my, uh, tough decision point. Once I get to uh, hear from league commissioner, Mike Doria, I wasn't uh, even later in the week. Well, so how does how do the prizes work again? Not I, to like. I think know. I think first place during the season 
yeah. and first place during the playoffs. That or it had something to do with points, but okay. I would assume I win something for winning the playoffs yeah, and, yeah. and finishing, you know, in the top four to get into the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, we were talking about this at lunch today. I was starting to think about a gift card. The real dilemma here is do you pick a place where you can go to eat one nice meal? Or do you pick a place where you can go to eat three or four average meals going for sustenance or quality? And that and that was really uh, starting to bug me a little bit. But, I mean, I, I don't know. What kind of direction would you go with this, Eric? Yeah, since uh, <clears throat> since I think I had the regular season uh, title, uh, at least, uh, I think that has you know some type of certificate with it. So, personally, I think I'm going toward a steakhouse tornado room in Madison. Tornado room? Delightful. Yeah, I, I, I would go with the... Uh, the you know one really good meal over you know multiple meals personally Mm -hmm. yeah basically that's what i was thinking if you went with the multiple meals you'd pick something like buffalo wild wings or or even just like a bar or something but i think i'm also going to go with the one meal direction but uh, i'm going to go a little bit different direction although i do love the tornado room excellent steakhouse if you ever get to the capitol square in madison now that's where we do our baseball steak dinners every year but regardless i think i'm going to go with uh, a little morimoto feeling some sushi i don't i don't get too uh don't get to go out for sushi all that often, and uh, thinking this might be the time to uh, really indulge on a few of their delicious rolls. Uh, yeah, that's something I've n- never actually had in my life is sushi, so mm-hmm. I, I, that, w- that would never actually uh, <laughs> it depends. be a consideration. But uh, Well, how do you feel about seafood in, just in I, general? I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with seafood. I just okay. I've never went down the sushi path, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's something I opened my <laughs> eyes to a few years ago, and, I, and I'm very much happy I did so, and I think, uh, I think I'm going to get a nice sushi meal out of All this. Right. Uh, cool. So we'll, uh, we'll talk that over with uh, RotoWire's own Mike Doria tomorrow, but... Believe it or not, this podcast is about football. We're going to get into the Monday Night Football recap before running down some waiver wire options. We're also going to do waiver wire awards today, essentially picking the best pickup and the worst pickup at each position, throwing in some honorable mentions in there. Uh, again, you know, we'll we'll offer some kind of obvious picks in case you're one of those leagues that does uh, that does Week 17 waivers, and uh, you know, we'll throw a couple names out there, but most. Mostly this is an award show, so if you uh, do have extra questions about ad drops, feel free to get at us on Twitter. Once again, I'm at JakeSki52. Eric is at ETCat30. But on to Monday Night Football, where A.J. McCarron and the Cincinnati Bengals were very close to pulling out a road victory, but Denver Bron- the Denver Broncos prevailed in this one by a score of 20-17. to 17. Let's start with, uh, I guess we can start with Demarius Thomas because that decided our matchup here. Even with the Broncos having to pass for a lot of the second half and with the game going into overtime, Thomas was still generally kept in check. Seven catches for 59 yards. Team leading 12 targets here. So I do like the targets number. I mean, I'm not worried about this performance by any means. And in all of next week's preliminary daily lineups that I'm setting, I really like Demarius Thomas against the San Diego Chargers. And mostly because the Denver Broncos will clinch home field advantage with a win and a New England loss and a or they would clinch a first round bye with a win or both a Bengals and Chiefs loss. There's a lot of scenarios giving the Broncos something to play for and uh you know assuming Osweiler's going to be the quarterback there as usual. I'm liking Demarius Thomas as a daily play next week. Yeah, we're not uh <clears throat> we're not aware of uh Peyton Manning actually returning you know, this week there there's some talk that he might be able to practice at some point, but mm-hmm. uh, I think Ian Rappaport actually mentioned on Monday night too that he was making progress every yeah. every day for four straight days. But I mean, I don't think that's enough to uh, assume that he's going to overtake Osweiler for here. sure. And the real question here is, does it matter? Yeah, exactly. Because I think Demarius. Uh, you know, you talk about those receivers that are matchup proof, but with the routes that Demarius runs and his breakaway speed, I don't think he necessarily needs the most 100% accurate passer right. in the world after him, especially on those quick hitters that he likes to turn into big plays. So uh, big, big hopes for Demarius Thomas. Uh, let's round out the rest of the box score here. The only passing touchdown in the game was Emmanuel Sanders. He caught four of five targets for 67 yards and a touchdown. Then we have former Badger great Owen Daniels, the tight end, coming through with some big-time catches late in the game. Uh, he took some big hits, big Indeed, shots. Yeah. He's really the uh, the unsung hero of this one, I would say. He caught five of seven targets for 70 yards to lead the team in receiving. Uh, I guess we can run down Osweiler's line, 27 for 39. 
299 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. So uh, not the greatest QBR of 57. Apparently, A.J. McCarron had a, a QBR of 30 points higher. But what's QBR anyway? We can move on from that. Denver rushing attack. Uh Another another even split between C.J. Anderson and Ronnie Hillman, each with nine carries, but C.J. Anderson was much more effective. 73 yards and a touchdown, including the go-ahead touchdown. Ronnie Hillman only 35 yards, and he lost a fumble. Now, another kind of sneaky daily play when I was stacking up on receivers this next week. I like using Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Antonio Brown, Brandon Marshall whenever possible. I just think the floor there is much higher. So I found myself using C.J. Anderson as a cheap running back. Is that crazy? Uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's the guy who's been far, far more effective with this, uh, you know, split of workload, correct? Exactly. And you look to his, uh, I mean, even looking at his last season, he was much more effective down the stretch. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it is just, uh, I guess it's just the the Chargers again. So the Chargers don't have the greatest run defense. Uh, uh, C.J. Anderson, six yards per carry in their first meeting, uh, has has them at home, I'd imagine, that they're going to they're going to get ahead in this game and, and utilize CJ Anderson hoping for a big game there have him in uh, a couple daily lineups so far how about the Bengals side uh, one thing uh, that we need to note is AJ McCarron who I mentioned 86 QBR 22 or 35 200 yards and a touchdown but he managed to hurt his wrist on the last play of the game here so because that game was just yesterday we don't know a whole lot about what happened uh if they do need to go to a backup we're not sure about Andy Dalton I I mean I'm thinking Andy Dalton won't be available till maybe the second round of the playoffs but that's just speculation yeah uh, assuming if, they get the you know first round by of course yeah exactly now to get that first round by the Cincinnati Bengals need a win plus a Denver loss or they need both Kansas City to win and Denver to lose and with Denver playing the Chargers at home I'm thinking a Denver loss is pretty unlikely so more likely than not they'll end up without a first round bye, which right. means AJ McCarron uh will have to do that I, I mean I can't imagine Keith Wenning would be starting a playoff game uh in any scenario you think maybe they'd go out and get someone but that's who's third on the depth chart so I totally miss this at the end of the game but uh like did he just take a hit to the wrist and yeah I believe he just or landed he, wrong on, I, I think he I think it was a hit I uh you know my stream is cutting out a little bit at that point uh yeah. you know kind of uh I guess you know watching it uh our fantasy matchups had pretty much been near locked up at that point. But, yeah, yeah I think he just took an awkward hit, and, and, and that was it. Okay. Yep. Uh, so the receivers that did the damage here, A.J. Green, five catches for 57 yards and a touchdown, team leading nine targets. Uh, Marvin Jones, three for 33, uh, seven targets. So uh, I like that I actually filled Marvin Jones out as a, a cheap receiver option for next week. But I might have to reconsider that if Wenning ends up starting at quarterback. Uh, Tyler Croft filling in for Tyler Eifert. Uh, the Bengals had him rated very highly on draft day. Ended up with six targets, caught four of them for 46 yards. Uh, going down the list, Muhammad Sanu, three for 29, very efficient. In terms of the rushing attack, Jeremy Hill dominated the carries, 19 for 63. But it was Muhammad Sanu who had a rushing, rushing touchdown out of the Wildcat formation. Interesting there, robbing both Hill and Bernard owners. Bernard, eight carries for 14 yards, added four catches for 29 yards on five targets. So really not a whole lot of standout fantasy performances. If you were winning in your daily leagues heading into Monday night, there's a good chance that uh, you stayed in the money because there wasn't a whole lot of game breakers in this contest. Oh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the better weeks of daily this week, thanks to uh, some some Bortles, Hearns, Robinson stacks. Uh, let's go Jags. Anyway, <laughs> I'm with you there. That that, that worked out well for uh, mm-hmm. me as well. Just other choices, you know, kind of kept me toward the bottom of, uh, you know, wins yeah. rather than one uh, of those, breaking through. One of those stacks of mine, I ended up with D'Angelo Williams and the Texans defense in it and uh and Ruben Randall as well so I think that that worked out uh for me oh yeah for sure in, in a big way one of my better not my best but one of my better daily lineups of the season anyway uh We'll move on to, I guess, the main portion of our podcast. We're going to run down position by position as we normally do. We're going to start out with a couple news and notes, uh, just just in case uh, you know you need to pick up somebody for this week. I know it's rare that leagues do Week 17 championships, but it does exist. So we're going to do that, and then after that, we'll kind of have a little discussion on the best pickup at the position and then maybe the worst pickup and if we can learn anything from that. So that's pretty much the outline for the show today. Like I said, starting with quarterback news and notes, we already went over the A.J. McCarron situation. I uh, talked a little bit about the Peyton Manning situation. No need to go too in-depth there. The only other quarterback maybe worth a mention uh for the Ravens is Ryan Mallett uh I mean he 
is a respectable quarterback despite uh, some of the various disciplinary or, or whatever you want to call them issues on the season. And the Ravens do have they have to go to Cincinnati, so not the greatest matchup, but a starting quarterback that's likely available nonetheless. Yeah, so maybe uh, Mallet actually you know found the right place for him. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. I mean, uh, I mean perfect situation. Yeah, at I, least I, yeah, at least it's better than. Um, the Matt Schaub scenario they don't have to worry about that again and maybe he actually learned from uh you know being cut from the Texans uh maybe he learned from that uh um quite possibly I don't know (laughs) yeah uh let's see uh more quarterback news and notes Andrew Luck unlikely to return for week 17 so we're looking uh with a banged up Matt Hasselbeck Stephen Morris Josh Freeman type combination not looking great in Indianapolis there uh Brian Hoyer will start week 17 if he clears the concussion protocol and I'm actually digging his matchup you know a couple uh couple weeks to rest the body the other physical ailments that I'm sure all quarterbacks deal with if he clears concussion protocol and ends up starting I like him in daily to stack with DeAndre Hopkins and maybe Nate Washington just going against the Jaguars we saw how relatively poorly they defended both the run and the pass in the in, in the last week so Hoyer a decent option if you're if you're looking for someone there isn't really any quarterbacks that are guaranteed to sit normally there's that team that's 15 and one that doesn't have anything to play for not really looking like the case here I mean I'm going to go over to the NFC playoff picture where things are a little bit uh, up for grabs Um, both the Cardinals and the Panthers uh, need a win to clinch home field advantage so that's good that's going to go ahead and play both those teams have home field advantage. Oh, it just oh. uh, depends on who gets the one and two seed. Yeah, the one and yeah. the two seed. Okay, so home field advantage in the NFC Championship is what we're playing with. So I can't really imagine Carson Palmer or Cam Newton sitting this Not one out. So yeah. both of those guys that got you this far well, are going to be good to go. When it comes to the Cardinals, uh, head coach Bruce Arians has already said that they're not going to sit anybody. They're just going to play all out. And, mm-hmm. you know, it potentially keeps Seattle in a less favorable favorable seed to yeah they, exactly they were able mm-hmm. to you know, yeah and i mean the packers and aaron Rodgers, uh you know they're going to be playing for seeding the, the seahawks and russell wilson also playing for seeding so a lot of the big quarterbacks that that got you here are still going to be producing and you don't really have to worry about it or and, there, and at the same time there's not really uh like a matt flint scenario that you could take advantage of in daily and not the only reason i say matt flint scenario because uh week 17 against the lions a few years back for the packers through six touchdowns got himself a huge contract and uh you know i always look for those situations especially playing daily week 17 but there's not a whole lot to take advantage of in that respect anyway uh that's quarterback chatter around the league how about the best quarterback pickup of 2015 there's a lot of decent candidates guys that were not owned a lot early on uh do do you have uh, a favorite quarterback pickup that you would want to give this award to or uh do you have a personal experience of uh, a quarterback pickup really helping you out well we actually have four named here Derek Carr Blake Bortles Ryan Fitzpatrick and Kirk Cousins uh I actually profited from two of those Derek Carr and uh Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. um I mean Fitzpatrick is not really that surprising he showed this in the past he said he had two really nice uh receiving options to uh mm-hmm. uh throw to in uh you know Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker Indeed. and he was consistently getting two touchdowns every week and throwing for 250 plus Mm-hmm. So I mean, you can't really argue with uh, with production like that. Yeah, absolutely not. And uh, Fitzpatrick and the Jets do have to win this week. They are playing the Bills, I believe, and uh, they need they basically need a win or a Pittsburgh loss, and that will help them clinch a playoff berth. So they control their own destiny in what I believe uh, is an early game. Yep, yeah, one o'clock Eastern game here, and um, so so yeah, they're gonna have to play guys like Brandon Marshall all everybody's at full capacity there uh one of my favorite pickups was Derek Carr unfortunately it was in one of those leagues where you know I finished fourth in points and 10th in standings a couple tough breaks there Mm -hmm. but uh Derek Carr I'm going to use as a one dollar keeper next year and I'm going to kind of trot him into 2016 as my starting quarterback I'm pretty pretty much all set there that's that's a nice value pick (laughs) yeah absolutely because he was a waiver wire I drafted or I bought at auction I bought Teddy Bridgewater and I brought bought Sam Bradford uh Bridgewater's come on a little bit towards the second half Bradford inconsistent injuries all the above uh so Derek Carr was my man the rest of the year Mm -hmm. nice and then I throw Kirk Cousins on here not because of his season-long production because but because if you picked him up in week 16 
chances are pretty good you won a championship. Yeah, exactly. That huge game against the Eagles there. How about the worst pickup of uh, 2015? I'm going to go ahead and come right out and say Johnny Manziel, if you picked him up. Uh, <laughs> just didn't. I mean, there were some good games for Manziel in there, don't get me wrong. But overall, inconsistent. And just like you'd pick him up and then he'd be suspended. Mm-hmm. And then you didn't know what to do if they were going back to McCown or or Austin Davis, anything like that. I mean, Manziel did break a Cleveland quarterback rushing record yesterday, but we got another video over the weekend, so we're going to go through all this drama again and all this investigation. So I, the only reason I picked him because it would have been a big headache. Headache. Do you got any other bad pickups? I guess. Um, I mean, personally, no. I I had guys like Carson Palmer, Derek Carr. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Aaron Rodgers, you know, uh, pretty stellar options the entire season to use. There was one week where I had to trot out EJ Manuel because I think it was Rodgers mm-hmm. by and Tyrod Taylor was injured. Yeah. But you know, he, he actually, after a disastrous start in London against the Jags, he actually, you know, salvaged that day. Yeah, for me, Taylor seemed like on paper he'd be he'd be an excellent quarterback to use once in a while. But yeah. you you can even throw him out there too because he was kind of a trap play. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, there were there were several games where he did not throw a touchdown pass. There were a lot of games where he only threw one touchdown pass. Made up for it a little bit with his legs, but uh, there there were some duds in there that yeah. really cost an owner. So that could possibly fall under the worst pickup here. When it's all said and done, what do we learn from the quarterback scenario in 2015? Well, yeah, so I personally had Sam Bradford early on in the season Mm -hmm. and after just, you know, a very, very slow start and having Carson Palmer on my bench, you know, (laughs) ready to plug and play if I needed to, like I just decided to cut bait and I think I went the Derek Carr route after that. So, you know, if if a guy like, you know, Sam Bradford or Matt Ryan was not doing what you expected them to do, I think personally if, if there's a really stellar option that's been doing it consistently for a few weeks early in the season just like cup eight let yep. somebody else worry about that headache yeah exactly and you know the, essentially in a lot of leagues the earlier that you got to Blake Bortles or Ryan Fitzpatrick the right. better and that and that helped you out so you had a good enough chance so say you took Sam Bradford and were like me start the year 0 four yeah uh, you know the earlier is you you jump on a guy like that the better your chances are of making the playoffs so I think yeah. that's a very good lesson to learn uh out of this year so far uh, let's move on to running backs here some quick news and notes to hit uh John Stewart dealing with a sprained <laughs> left foot it's, it looks like he may be back for week 17 so uh it, it appears the door is open there's nothing set in stone yet but if you would plan on any production out of camera Artist Payne or Fozzie Whitaker or Mike Tolbert, uh, you know, you might want to pump the brakes a little bit there, especially if Stewart is back. So we're going with John Stewart and, you know, Mike Tolbert now. Hey, Tolbert. Uh, yeah, the Tolbert, the Mike Tolbert report uh, in the backfield. I like I like him being listed as fullback slash running backs, the closest thing to a modern day bus, I guess we can yeah, count. Yeah. Um, how about in, the, in San Diego? You know, we got Melvin Gordon on the injured reserve. Uh, they signed Donald Brown here to fill in, who's been filling in pretty well. Uh, 26 for 107 and a touchdown, 5 for 45 yards on seven targets over the last two games. Is Donald Brown a fantasy option in Week 17? Um you mentioned before that they're playing the Broncos, correct? So I, yes. I don't think that's the most appealing option. I, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a desperation play and you're still alive, sure, maybe. Yeah, go for it. Now, how about a guy like Mike Gillisley, who... Uh, this is a better option. This <laughs> seems to be the best. Uh, I would say he's the top running back pickup option for the week. I would agree with you in that sense. Mike Gillisley, he's a big play machine. I mean, he doesn't get a ton of touches. I mean, you look at the last three weeks, three rushing attempts, four rushing attempts, nine rushing attempts, but he's recorded averages of 8, 20, and 10 yards and scored in each of those games and caught a couple passes out of the backfield. So he, I, I mentioned this yesterday with when we when I was doing the podcast with Nick, he reminds me of Antoine Smith that one year with Atlanta where he'd get a couple right. touches, but he'd be hanging out 80 yards now his season was cut short due to injury but is even against the stout jets run defense he's got to be somewhat of an option this week yeah wow that production is very impressive on very very few touches Mm -hmm. Um, yeah if they made per minute stats like they do in the (laughs) nba then he'd be right up there yeah i mean it it is kind of a desperation too because you can't count on them getting probably more than 10 touches in the game Mm -hmm. but it has it has to be encouraging you know how productive he has been with these uh you know few touches yeah absolutely and this is of course depending on the status of LaShawn McCoy knee Mm -hmm. injury and it looks like uh you know from Buffalo media reporting that uh, they're going to err on the side of caution when evaluating McCoy and that makes sense they don't have a whole lot to play for anymore here outside of pride and you're you're looking at Gillisley and Carlos Williams who 
you know, maybe a serviceable option, but I think of Gillisley more as a third down back on the outsides, whereas uh, Williams would be between the track goal line type player. Mm -hmm. And in a game against the Jets, where the Jets absolutely have to win, uh, I could see the Bills being a little bit behind and maybe leaning more towards Gillisley in this type of game. But, you know, that's extrapolating maybe a bit far as to how the game will go. Nonetheless, Gillisley, probably the best available option in the mm-hmm. running back department this week uh you know in most standard formats here how about the awards who is the best running back pickup of 2015 there are a lot of decent candidates here uh some production uh w- what are you thinking eric uh yeah so i mean you mentioned guys here like d'angelo williams david johnson tim hightower to a lesser extent uh yep. darren mcfadden Devonte freeman i'm I'm totally down with the D'Angelo Williams. I mean, that this is predicated upon, you know, Le'Veon Bell tearing his ACL midseason. Um, you know, he had that really nice two-game mm-hmm. um, cameo at the beginning of the season. So you kind of knew what he would do in the Pittsburgh offense. Yep. Uh, Bell comes back, you know, runs rough shot over the league for four or five games, and then tears his ACL. So we know D'Angelo Williams is back in the picture. He was the guy that you probably spent a lot of money on early uh, I guess midseason on a waiver wire pick, or rather fab bid. Yeah, he would have been the type of guy that we would advocate spending all your money on. And as far as a lesson goes here, I mean, handcuff your top guys, I guess. Yes. The handcuff, you know, a lot of people, the handcuff strategy has been diminishing recently because of all these different timeshares. But uh, for a guy like Le'Veon Bell, that is the workhorse that does play 60 offensive snaps a game. This just shows how important it is to handcuff him, especially when there's someone of Williams' skill set right behind him. Of course, Williams able to avoid the injury bug, had a couple huge games for Pittsburgh <coughs> this week, helping a lot of people in daily. I know some millionaire makers featured D'Angelo Williams. So he's probably, I would say he's the guy, got people the most help because you know people with D'Angelo Williams, if they weren't out of the playoffs already, managed to fight their way back in and had a pretty good championship week here. I also mentioned David Johnson. Yeah. I would say David Johnson is the pickup of the year if you're in a keeper league. Yeah. Because D'Angelo Williams, uh, you know, although he had an excellent year, he'll still kind of be second in the command command to Le'Veon Bell when he gets back. And I still think Le'Veon Bell is worth a first-round pick if you're going to go with a running back in the first round for 2016. But uh, in keeper leagues where you can keep someone for next year, I mean, David Johnson's going to be the workhorse for them next year. Am I right in that? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's always tough to tell. So Chris Johnson, you know, had, um, you know, a pretty pretty nice season until Mm -hmm. suffering the broken, uh, I guess, tibia. I think it's a fractured tibia. Yep. Um, So, but still along the way, David Johnson was, you know, regularly scoring touchdowns. I think he was the leader for all rookies through like week 11 or so with six or seven touchdowns mm-hmm. yeah, and then, then be up there an offensive rookie of the year voting yeah and then he gets thrust into the role when uh both uh chris johnson and andre ellington go down so i mean <laughs> even though he's only been the starter now for three games i believe uh he actually ranks number seven in standard scoring wow and that's predicated upon those touchdowns, you know, scattered throughout the you know first ten weeks of the season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was scoring whether it be through the air, on the ground, through a kick return. He had a couple of those mixed in. I think he's solid. And my one keeper league, I'm going to take 198 dollars to auction next year because I'm going to keep. We get two keepers. I'm going to keep Derek Carr for a buck. I'm going to keep David Johnson for a buck. And, <laughs> that's uh, great. Yeah, I like that. Now, you know, I, and that's opposed to I'm making those decisions over keeping Odell Beckham Jr. at $52, keeping Mike Evans at $42, keeping Jordan Matthews at $31. You know, I think I've, you know, these are rough estimates. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I'm going to take a lot of money to auction next year, pick my guys, and hope for the best. So, yeah, I, I like the dollar bet even if he doesn't end up being the starter immediately next season because you know Andre Ellington's still going to be around Mm -hmm. um there's a potential that Chris Johnson could return if the Cardinals make it to the Super Bowl and that if he does well say in that game I I could see the Cardinals easily bringing him back on a similar deal deal to this year you know one-year deal heavily incentivized and then they just let the uh, best back basically win the job in training camp interesting yeah now Chris Johnson here it's going to be over 30 next year, though, yeah. and he's got a fractured tibia when, for a player who's, I mean, it's not like it's a ligament tear, yeah. so it's a little bit uh, more forgiving, I guess you could say, long-term, but for someone known for his speed, I can't imagine he has the same, what, 4-2 speed that he had when he came out here. I'm, 
I mean, it really makes sense to just let David Johnson have this job outright mm-hmm. and then let Andre Ellington do what he does best on, say, eight to ten touches per game. Yeah. That, yeah. that seems like the best scenario going yeah, forward. Yeah, Ellington seems like a guy that, you know, when you manage his workload right, you yeah. can keep him away from the injury, bu- injury bug, he could really help you, and, but you do need that workhorse. And people don't realize that David Johnson is actually 6'1 and 220-plus. I mean, he's a big, big guy. Dude. He can handle the punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're hearing a lot of Beast Mode Junior comparisons this week, yeah. and and he's he's right up there. A uh, couple other honorable mentions in terms of uh, top top running backs. Uh, I put Tim Hightower on this list because he won people championships. Tim Hightower is like the Kirk Cousins of yeah. uh, of the running back list here. Didn't really help you a lot throughout the season, but. If you were using him in the fantasy championship, there's a good chance you were able to win there because, you know, one of the low price options that Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have had with you since draft day. Also got to mention Darren McFadden after he eventually took that over. Modest production could have been a whole lot better had the Cowboys been able to stay healthy. And this one was a fringe, but got to throw a shout out to Devontae Freeman this year. He was dropped by a lot of owners one when after week one it seemed pretty clear Tevin Coleman was the man and if you picked him up at that point mm-hmm. you know you would have had a, it was a contrarian pickup maybe a little bit of luck but if you picked him up at that point you were well on your way to a championship as well uh, and then a couple other guys I mean Chris Johnson helped in the short term got hurt Deion Lewis helped in the short term got hurt same thing with Thomas Rawls all those guys good to look at uh those are the best running back pickups how about the worst running back pickups uh what, what are you thinking there Eric well personally didn't really have any bad ones but I did take flyers on guys like uh Carlos Williams and Jay Ajayi at certain points of the season and that was just more so to bolster depth than anything and they didn't work out the Mm -hmm. way I you know hoped but I didn't really need to use them because of you know the who I had as starters say D'Angelo Williams and Todd Gurley Mm -hmm. now yeah I heard a lot of you know David Cobb hype at points Mm -hmm. in the season there was there was hype surrounding I don't know I'm trying to think of some other some other younger players that I mean Terrence West maybe Duke Johnson if you picked him up uh, just guys that didn't really pan out even Cameron Artis Payne in the absence of Stewart if you picked him up and started him last week you know probably didn't turn out all that well for you so uh so yeah those are some ones but there's one that stands out to me and that's Matt Jones. <laughs> Matt Jones of the Washington Redskins. He looked like he had every opportunity to take that job and run with it. Uh, appeared to be more skilled in the open field and between the tackles than Alfred Morris. But he could not stop fumbling the football, and now he's hurt. And if you picked him up week two or three, you probably spent a third to half of your fab budget, which kind of puts you behind uh, over in the years. So when it's all said and done, is there is there any kind of lesson to be learned here? Or do you just have to be aggressive with the guys that you like the most, or and uh, and hope it works out for the best? I think the key is to always be watching the uh, all the situations. Listen to this podcast, for example, on Tuesdays during mm-hmm. the NFL season, so we can let you and basically inform you like what are the like what are the potential new mm-hmm. you know scenario or situations for running backs to actually uh, take advantage of. Um, you have to put your nose at the grindstone, but um, I mean, what other lessons do you think you have? I mean, watching injuries is always huge. I mentioned earlier with D'Angelo Williams, you got to handcuff your top tier guys. Yep. That always makes a difference. But th- yeah, those are the biggest things. Uh, I think the importance of handcuffs was stressed this year. And as far as other lessons, I mean, punt running backs. D'Angelo Williams, David Johnson, Tim Hightower, Darren McFadden, Devonte Freeman in some cases, Deion Lewis, Thomas Rawls, all these guys were people you could get off the waiver wire that were that all of them, even with shortened seasons, some of them finished significantly higher than your Jeremy Hills and your C.J. Andersons and even your Eddie Lacy's of the world. So paying up for running backs early on, can't stress it enough. Probably something that we need to take into next year and uh, maybe back off a little bit. Huh? Yeah, I've personally followed the you know uh, no running back strategy. Mm-hmm. Basically, don't even touch the running back position until say round five or six at the very very earliest so okay. basically stock up on all the skill positions outside of running back and get a really good quarterback especially in three wide receiver leagues you yeah. want to stack up on those wide outs yeah. just so you can have that kind of depth because injuries always happen yeah you know I was uh I picked I, I went with that strategy primarily in in, in all my leagues except one, and, and one where I didn't was one where I paid up for Jamal Charles, and it was looking good early on, but it didn't yeah. quite happen. My, I mean, I ended up 
this isn't a bad year for me at all in playing for a championship in three of five leagues uh feeling pretty good about that overall uh and a lot of it was due to the wide receiver wide receiver strategy getting yeah. guys got was real big on Antonio Brown taking him as high as fifth overall uh, you know getting just other players that were quite a bit more consistent than the first round running backs here uh, fantasy football may be winding down but DraftKings.com is not messing around DraftKings.com is America's favorite one week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week you already researched the players for your season-long fantasy team Turn that knowledge into instant cash at DraftKings.com. Last year, one player turned 11 bucks into 4000 in just one weekend. Another won 100 grand his first time ever playing. This season alone, six players have won a million, or a lot more than six players have won a million dollars in just one day playing fantasy football. Remember to keep your season-long league where it is when it's wrapped up, but you can still play Week 17, One Week Fantasy at DraftKings.com where huge cash can be won. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter the promo code ROTOWIRE for free Free entry, DraftKings.com, bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter Rotowire for free entry now at DraftKings.com. That is DraftKings.com. Getting into the second half of the show here, I'm Jake Latarski alongside Eric Turi. Uh, Going to go over to wide receivers, some quick news and notes. Of course, uh, of course, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. returning from suspension week 17. So if you stayed alive and are still playing for a championship, he's obviously going back in your lineup. Kind of looking around to... Uh, to other potential pickups this week we've mentioned him in the past but is it finally time to trust and pick up Dontrell and Mon? yeah I mean like you said he's the uh top uh target right now in uh San Diego right uh yep. eight targets this past week yeah he's been uh he's been really I don't want to say on fire but he's been at least consistent uh in back-to-back weeks now he had well last week eight catches for 82 yards and a touchdown the week before three catches for 78 and a touchdown on five targets. So he seems like he's right up there with the Malcolm Floyds and Stevie Johnsons of the world as far as getting targets in San Diego. And I think he's uh, more than a viable flex spot. Now, note the matchup, very risky matchup at Denver. However, I see it this way. Denver has to win. Denver's going to get ahead. San Diego's going to pass. Inman's going to get his one way or another. So yeah. if you're playing for a championship week 17 and and need a wide receiver or has been struggling rotating wide receivers, what have you, I think you got to go ahead and start him this week if you need to. Because, yeah. I mean, Denver pass defense, excellent, but look what Pittsburgh did. Now, San Diego's not Pittsburgh, but there can be holes late in the game when – the defensive backs are giving you some cushion yeah definitely like the uh t- I, I i read it wrong eight catches on 13 targets this past weekend but uh wow he's been very consistent getting uh targets in this offense right now five targets in uh about six or seven games out of uh 13 this season mm-hmm. yeah and you gotta remember early on in the year keenan allen was just dominating targets keenan allen was on pace to break target records before mm-hmm. he suffered his injury so a team that likes to pass a lot, I think Rivers will air it out 40, 45 times at least to try to play catch-up with the Broncos in this one. And they'll be good uh, prospects for Iman. Now, looking back on the season as a whole, there are a lot of decent candidates for the best waiver-wire pickup of 2015. Uh, you know, I should almost call this the Victor Cruz Award after a few years back when he pretty much won anybody their league <clears throat> who had him. But uh, a guy who I thought was very formidable, especially in the second half, was Alan Hearns, and he still turns out to be, and I think Alan Hearns bought himself a ton of draft stock this or th- over these last few weeks. Yeah, it doesn't uh, hurt that there isn't really a viable uh, running option in Jacksonville, so they kind of have to for they kind of mm-hmm. have to air it out with Blake Bortles. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, like mm-hmm. w- when there's a guy, uh, I mean, they've been just stockpiling uh, wide receiving talent. For example, drafting Marquis Lee per- pretty high, and that didn't hasn't panned out yet, but. <clears throat> Alan Hearns is, uh, you know, very uh, impressed, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. with the situation. Yeah. Won a lot uh, of people championships from, with a two-touchdown performance. Yeah, playing across from Alan Robinson is, is probably going to continue to, you know, draw, like, less coverage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Blake Bortles continues to improve as a quarterback. It's better at reading defenses. I think this uh, Jaguars offense, at least on paper, should be pretty dangerous in 2016. Another potential rival for even fantasy MVP of the year could be Doug Baldwin, and, and not because of his early season run, but because of his playoff stretch. Now, uh, a lot of owners that were kind of sitting in at the 500 mark going into the playoffs were able to ride Doug Baldwin to a championship, and uh, I, I 
I think I did. I have him against you this week. I know I had Baldwin in in two leagues, and I believe you may have had him. Yep, yeah, I believe it. Yep, I had him I against mean, I, you this week. We just talked about Hearns, and I had him in my f- personal flex spot. Yeah, there we go. So, uh, <laughs> but Doug Baldwin, another huge game, week sixteen against the Rams, eight for one hundred eighteen and a touchdown. Let's see here. I, I didn't add this up beforehand, but in the last five weeks, he has eleven, 11 touchdowns. Yep. Holy cow! After scoring, you know, just three, three in yeah. the previous ten. So the guy's on fire. Um, I think we can attribute this largely to the lack of a running game in Seattle following the injury to Marshawn Lynch. Mm-hmm. I think a lot, that has a lot to do with it. But, I mean, Doug Baldwin, 27 years old, maybe a little bit of a late bloomer, but he's crushed his season, uh, his previous record in touchdowns. He has 14 on the year. He's This is his first career 1,000-yard receiving season, career-high 73 receptions. I mean, is Doug Baldwin the real deal? Uh, do you trust yourself? spending say a third round draft pick on Doug Baldwin next year I mean I think that's a kind of a safe place to take him uh, mm-hmm. considering my own strategy I probably already have a wide receiver on my roster by that point mm-hmm. so I wouldn't be disappointed if he ends up being my number two and puts up production like this next season yeah exactly because who knows about the future of Marshawn Lynch I, I don't even think you yeah know, he he Lynch himself has a good clue as to what you know the future holds, whether it's next season or a couple of weeks from now. I, I'm just afraid that like I would probably take him in the 30 to 40 range, mm-hmm. but I feel that this stretch to the end of the season, whatever he does in the playoffs, might convince a lot of uh, owners to actually take him in, say, the 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, look at the last three years with Seattle. Nothing too yeah. spectacular out of Doug Baldwin, mostly highlighted by inconsistency, yeah. to be honest. But uh, this Wilson-to-Baldwin connection seems to be going all right Tyler Lockett young up-and-coming receiver is going to at least draw some attention away from Baldwin because uh, I mean Baldwin just 5'10 189 pounds it's not like he's a he's a real big yep. physical demanding guy so I mean that makes it a little bit risky I very much doubt you'll see a thousand yards and, and 14 touchdowns next no. year and I, I just feel like he'll be a little bit overdrafted based on the stretch so maybe what, what's the highest you would take him Late third, early fourth, probably. Yeah, I, and it would have to depend on who else is on the board. There's a lot of other people that uh, I, you know, I'd like to see. Uh, but you know, that's enough Baldwin talk for now, I guess. <laughs> Let's talk about Kamar Aiken and Willie Sneed, two of your uh, of of your additions to at least honorable mentions here in uh, in 2015. Here, uh, I mean, those two guys got to be in the running. I, I'd say at least honorable mentions. Kamar Aiken, at least due to a complete lack of other options. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with Steve Smith going down early on, somebody had to, you know, come in here and uh, get the targets in the passing game, and he took full advantage of it. Yeah, right on here. And uh, the tight ends can't seem to get healthy there. <coughs> the, even Justin Forsett getting hurt there. Just Ravens had the worst injury luck out of anybody this year. And if anyone were to take advantage, it's Kamar Raikin. Uh Another one, you know, I mentioned Willie Sneed. He had a game of 141 yards this year. He had another 95-yard game, 122-yard game. Only three touchdowns on the year. Yeah. So modest production, but, you know, decent flex if you uh, had someone go down to injury early on. I was going to say that's the only problem with Willie Sneed. He, you know, rarely visited the end zone. Um, mm-hmm. But other than that, like, he was fairly consistent, you know, getting 50 to 100 yards almost every week. Yeah, I would have to agree with you there. Now, I've been trying to think of the worst pickups of uh, 2015, and it's tough with the receiver because there's so many different <laughs> leagues and ways that they're scored, especially. But uh, one honorable mention has got to at least be Malcolm Floyd. One would have thought that after the injury to Keenan Allen that he would be able to uh, really produce, but he didn't have a 100-yard receiving game all season. He's got one more chance to do that this year. Came close a couple times, but three total touchdowns on the year. Uh, and no 100-yard receiving games. I guess you, in that same kind of group, you can go with uh, with Stevie Johnson, who scored touchdowns in week one and two, but scored just one touchdown the rest of the season and has not been hurt. So those San Diego receivers from an offense that looked decent turned out to be trap plays, at, at least. Yeah, and I, I would say this is a guy that was you know drafted almost universally, uh, Devontae Adams. Uh, mm-hmm. If you had Devontae Adams, you probably yeah. were – Kept him around the entire season, or for a lot of the season at least, yeah. to see if he would actually, you know, break out. Especially considering he was getting upwards of, you know, fifteen targets per game at at certain points in the season. Yeah, I think without a doubt we can place the biggest fantasy disappointment label outside of some of those running backs. You know, you can Lacey could even compete with him for that. But outside of some of those first round running backs, 
I saw people going way nuts on Devontae Adams after Jordy Nelson got hurt, thinking third, fourth round. Yep. Um, and, of course, being up here in Packer country, I couldn't get my hands on him. Even if I did want him, uh, I couldn't get my hands on him anywhere. And I'm not going to lie, I wanted him a little bit, but I wasn't going to use a second round or a third round pick on him. I thought that was just too much. Yes. And uh, thank you to my league members who reached out and grabbed him from me because I did not have to deal with that headache. Did Man, have, he's been tough to watch as did, a Packer fan. So in your five leagues, did you have any shares of him at all? No shares. Okay. No I think shares. I had him for about six weeks and just was frustrated by that point and had to go elsewhere. Yeah, it's tough to get Packers when you're drafting here in Wisconsin. <laughs> I took Aaron Rodgers uh, in the second round of one league where I was the only Wisconsin person and passing touchdowns were worth six points. I traded for Eddie Lacy thinking I was going to buy low in one league. Didn't quite work out. Randall Cobb was also pretty disappointing and inconsistent uh, mm-hmm. for the most part there. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot of Packers action. A little bit of Richard Rodgers, too. I actually had Richard Rodgers in the league that I, in the championship that I played you. I sat him for Kyle Rudolph this week. Um, thank God, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Uh, so, yeah, so that, that's receivers. Uh, um, anything we can learn from receivers outside of, uh, you know, draft them heavy early on? Uh, yeah, I mean, I... I would say I highly recommend doing that. Uh, if you're not in the uh, zero running back club, maybe test it out next year in a league or two and mm-hmm. see how your prospects end up. Because, I mean, personally, I'm going to be in the top four in, all, in every league I'm in. In every finish. Yeah. There you go. Now, who's the top receiver next year overall? This is kind of a random question. Ooh. Is it still Antonio Brown? Does it move to Odell Beckham? I would, it, say, I would say it's still Antonio Brown because of the preponderance of Tarius. Like he's just, The volume. He's, yeah, he, like the volume is there. Like Beckham might be the better wideout talent, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I would still, like in reality and fantasy, Antonio Brown's still number one in my book. Yeah, right on. I, I'm right there with you. And I'm, I'm going to be taking Brown early if I can yeah. just because he helped me get to the finals in two of my leagues. And, I, you know, I'm very grateful. I will, I'll pay that dividend back. Let's move on to tight ends here. We'll start with news and notes real quick. The only meaningful nugget I guess I could dig up here was in Cincinnati like we discussed earlier Tyler Eifert if he can't return Tyler Croft could be a a somewhat decent flyer 30 yards in three straight games scored a touchdown in week 15 uh, caught four passes last night against Denver who's very tough on opposing tight ends Uh, I mean Croft has got to be an option particularly in deeper formats but I know there's some leagues where I've done this in fantasy in the past where you play your entire roster and bench week 17 and uh-huh. whoever's team has the most points in week 17 maybe gets like five percent of the payoff or some small that's really percentage. I like that. i've done that uh, i haven't done it recently but with some of my old old-time hometown leagues we would have like fun night or fun week week 17 mm-hmm. where you just play your whole bench and try to score as most much points as possible so maybe we're helping people in that situation croft could be an option especially if you're in a 16 team league that does that still probably available worth a look here now getting on to the best tight end pickup of 2015 this was the easiest choice i had to make by far out of any position group and that has to be gary barnage of the cleveland browns all right you know we can agree on that right oh yeah personally uh i didn't get him anywhere um yeah i mean i was very pessimistic about gary barnage i'm like it's a mirage it's a fluke it's not going to go anywhere yeah but it definitely did yeah exactly so i mean i had guys like you know gronkowski um gary or sorry uh travis kelsey tyler eifert Mm -hmm. so those guys were you know consistent options the entire season and when by the time eifert you know went down with injury i just obviously i couldn't turn to him so like julius thomas was sitting out there i mean that's another guy that you know, was drafted probably in every single league, but then dropped at some point. But yep. been a Picked decent up pickup, like, yeah. you know, the last month or two. He burned me in daily last week. I'm yeah. going to hold that grudge in the next year. <laughs> I mean, if I'd have picked a tight end that would have got just double-digit points yeah. in daily, period, uh, I mean, I could have doubled my winnings because I was already in that top tier with nice. some of those other picks. But yeah. uh, way too much Julius Thomas this week. Oh, well, uh, we'll, we'll uh, take it with a grain of salt and move on, try not to have that recency bias too much. But Gary Barnage on the season, 71 catches on 112 targets for 977 yards and nine touchdowns. Needs to catch a 23-yard score uh, against the Steelers, which uh, it seems very possible mm-hmm. uh, because the la- let's see what he did last time he played Pittsburgh. Uh, 
decent line, six for 65 and a touchdown. Yep. So needs to catch one against the Steelers to get a thousand yard double digit touchdown scoring season. And I mean, those are nearing Gronk numbers when you when it's all said and done. He'll finish the season as a top five fantasy tight end. Yeah, and somehow this didn't translate to a Pro Bowl bid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I don't know. I, must just be too stacked in the AFC. I, I would, uh, yeah, I would assume that. Um, he'll probably get in there as an injury replacement at some point and say the Pats make the Super Bowl, so Gronkowski's spot is available. Mm -hmm. And now Barnage next year is an interesting case because got a three-year $12 million extension with the Browns this December. Uh, Good for him. Apparently he wants to remain in Cleveland. Uh, You don't see that all that often. But he's going to have some quarterback turmoil to deal with potentially if they want to stick with Johnny Manziel, if they use one of their top three draft picks on a quarterback or not. Um, But it really shouldn't matter for Barnage because whether it was McCown, whether it was Manziel, whether it was Austin Davis, he still got his looks. I mean, the Browns on a whole are super undersized at the wide receiver position. You have guys like Andrew Hawkins, Taylor Gabriel, uh, Travis Benjamin, none of which are over six feet tall. Uh, Barnett is here checking in at 6'6", 250 is really the biggest target for a quarterback to go. And I could see that going the same way next year. So you may not realize this, but he is actually 31. He'll mm-hmm. turn 32 next season. Yep. Do, you, um, do you think he'll be able to keep this up? Or is this a mirage just because like his athletic potential will dwindle a little bit you know I think that he'll have a good year I don't doubt about about that the age doesn't concern me so much because he really hasn't had in football years he's young because he hasn't quite has has had the workload of a 31 year old that played 16 games for six or seven seasons you know doesn't really have that going on I mean only he never had more than 13 catches in a year before this season Mm -hmm. so uh really not a whole lot of workload there so you know I I could see myself taking him next year, but I I fear and I worry that he'll be overdrafted, kind of similar to Doug Baldwin based on on the year he had. Now, I'll take anybody if the price is right. I still think Barnage will finish the year as a top 10 tight end, but is he a fourth or fifth round pick? That might be stretching it just a little bit for me. Yeah, I agree with you there. (laughs) All right. Now, how about uh, some honorable mentions here? Delaney Walker, I know he was drafted in a few few leagues, but he ended up uh, having a pretty solid season if you picked him up off the wire. Benjamin Watson of the Saints, no doubt about that. Uh, If you picked the right weeks, uh, Kyle Rudolph was a decent option. Vance McDonald, who's returning to the field this week, he's always one of uh, Blaine Gabbert's favorite targets. I think McDonald could be a, a tight end pickup option, maybe even better than Croft, I guess, and maybe a little bit safer. I guess we'll wait and see. And Zach Miller helped quite a bit in championship weeks after Martellus Bennett went down due to injuries here. As far as worst tight end pickup of 2015, I don't mind in a heartbeat. Right after week one, I spent a fifth of my waiver wire budget on Austin Safarian Jenkins, and that went straight down the drain. Mm-hmm. Now... At the same time, I love this guy's athletic ability. I like the fact that Jameis Winston showed steady improvement throughout the season. I think Safarian Jenkins will be a good sneaky sleeper tight end next year. Yeah, I, I think the farther away he gets from his uh, shoulder injury that plagued him all season, yeah, I, I can I can see that happening. Yeah, I, I, I like him and a lot. I don't know if I want to say top 15, but really close to top 15. And Vance, or sorry, <laughs> Vincent Jackson is getting to that, uh, you know, point in his career where he could just have a steep drop off in production you know some other option receiving option is gonna you know have to come into play there opposite yeah. Mike Evans and I, I think I mean Safarian Jenkins in my mind has pro bowl potential yeah. I really like what he brings to the table and and you could kind of see it after the first two weeks of the season here where he he went off in week one five catches for 110 yards two touchdowns he's now scored in back-to-back weeks since his return I'm gonna discount the week 16 touchdown because it was a pretty meaningless Hail Mary that he managed to come down with but nonetheless I mean I really like uh what Safarian Jenkins brings to the table like Barnage another big target 6'5 260 so not only is he easy to find he's tough to bring down in the open field so um hopefully I remember this for next year I I should I've been pretty adamant about it um Safarian Jenkins uh I think he'll get underdrafted next year Mm -hmm. and I think he's gonna help with a lot of profit uh, he's going to provide owners who take him with a lot of profit, and they should be able to get him in rounds 9 or 10, I would imagine, just because of where he's going to fall and maybe not necessarily in tight end one status. That's just my prediction. It's so hard to look ahead right. to next the end of next summer. Already. I mean, yeah, if I get somebody like you know Gronkowski or um, Tyler Eifert, yeah, I would definitely take probably take him in that range just to see the potential, if the potential actually uh, you know comes to the fore yeah. and 
maybe you can trade him at some point in the season to get a nice asset back. Yeah, or if you're in a deep league where yeah. you've accidentally found yourself punting tight ends, mm-hmm. he might have the most upside out of anyone in that late Very group good point. of tight ends. So, yeah. uh, you know, and then, of course, that's how you win leagues. You stack up at the other positions. You get a gem, a late-round gem with a guy like him. So just something to think about heading into next year here. Uh, you know, we always talk about kickers and defenses. Not a whole lot to uh, to go on this week. I think the fantasy kicker MVP is Chandler Catanzaro of the Cardinals, right? He's going to finish top five in scoring, and he wasn't really drafted in a whole lot of places. I, I'd give him that award. Um, streaming defense options for Week 17, we always run those down pretty quick. Uh, I kind of dropped the ball with the Titans last week. I thought you know bringing in Brandon Whedon to their hometown uh, – would be favorable, but of course, Whedon took over that game, and and we all know what happened there. I think t- Titans maybe got single digits, low single digits, or even negative points in most formats. That was rough. But this week, if you're in a really deep league, of course, there's a lot of defenses that I like better. But in a desperation option, and as one of the cheapest daily formats, how about the Indianapolis Colts? I mean, we saw what the Houston Texans defense did to Zach Mettenberger. Now, Zach Mettenberger is going to go to Indianapolis. Um, is there potential there at all for profit? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, Mettenberger is getting to the point where he's like uh, Matt Schaub. There's a lot of pick six potential. Yeah, um, I'll, so I'll have to agree with you there. That could happen. But on the other side too, we, we found we've seen the Colts sign uh, Josh Freeman and Ryan Lindley today to compete with Stephen Morris for the starting spot. So, would you consider also? maybe grabbing Tennessee I I they left a really salty taste in my <laughs> mouth after this past week and and you know if Brian or I'm sorry if uh if Brandon Whedon can tear that defense up I mm-hmm. Sean Moore or whatever Stephen Moore Stephen Morris can yeah. probably do the same thing uh and that's of course Hasselbeck doubtful doubtful luck probably not gonna play so yeah. but maybe something to watch another equally cheap option but if I had to pick between these uh this kind of matchup with duds, I'm, I'm just going to take the home team in this one. Yeah. It didn't work out last week, but I'd feel safe. But nonetheless, if you have to learn a lesson from defenses this year, I got way too crafty in the championship game, and it very well almost cost me against you. I pulled the Minnesota Vikings defense thinking Eli Manning would be able to do something mm-hmm. in favor of the Tennessee Titans defense, and that was a 16-point swing. Oh, if, wow. if, if I would have... You know, if I would have just stuck to Minnesota, who I'd been playing for most of the year, well, I hadn't really played him for most of the year. I think I picked him up to stream last week. But nonetheless, like, if that would have cost me, that very well could have cost me and, and probably should have cost me. But, you know, yeah. luckily, luckily I made the switch to Rudolph from uh, from um, Richard Rodgers. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, anything else, any other big takeaways from defenses this year? I mean, we were big proponents in the start of the season to essentially – take your defense with your second to last pick there's very few situations in which you reach does that hold true this year yeah like I kind of ride the hot hand personally so um, when I noticed you know Houston was finally uh, doing what we thought they would do at the beginning of the season but it Mm -hmm. didn't actually happen until say week seven or eight once once uh, they put together a nice three-week stretch I know I grabbed them in a few places Mm -hmm. even Uh, the Lions they played well down the stretch Pittsburgh who had a really rough start played pretty well down the stretch there's a lot of names in there that you just kind of have to like look at trends see how they're see how that's going yeah are I, they forcing a lot of turnovers for multiple weeks look uh, at opposing a quarterbacks yeah. home teams there's a whole lot you can look at i mean i mean at the start of this year you, you did find houston and you did find miami on the top of a lot of defense lists mm-hmm. and uh of course that didn't quite pan out so if you don't get the top defense which is of course going to be probably seattle again i would imagine and Carolina. And, oh yeah, Carolina. Yeah, if you if you don't get one of those two, Arizona. Def- yeah, Arizona solid. Even even Cincinnati's defense mm-hmm. had a pretty solid year. Yeah. Um, but if you don't if you don't get your clear cut favorite, there's no need to pass up a position player sleeper in favor of a middle tier defense because chances are you'll drop them at some point over the course of right. the year. So I think that's the big takeaway there. Yeah, indeed. All right, well, Eric. This will do it for the uh, Waiver Wire podcast of uh, of the 2015 season. Hope we could help some of you guys out this year. Uh, any final words on the uh, <laughs> on a se- on the season on a season well done? I mean, yeah, like I, it's nice to be back in the championship picture uh, uh, for the first time in a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, 
finally won a league, I think, for the first time since 2012, I believe. Oh, there you go. Uh, always making the playoffs, but then just, like, fall flat right away, you know. Fizzling out a little so bit. So this, yep. it was nice to actually get on the board uh, in one of the four leagues I'm in. But, you know, I'm, other than that, I guess nothing, man. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, hey, thanks to our listeners that listened to us through 17 weeks, especially if you're still here listening to us now. Uh, hope to be back with you next season for another uh, Rotowire Fantasy Football podcast. I, I, you know, not just my personal bias, bias out of all the uh, podcasts that I do, I still think the Waiver Wire one is one of the most useful. And, and hopefully you guys see the same way. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, again, this podcast brought to you by DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. And, of course, you can use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you make your deposit for a free contest entry today. Also, check out ROTOWIRE free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P-O-D. Once again, I'm Jake Letarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, it's Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at ETCAT30. The ROTOWIRE Fantasy Football Podcast will return Wednesday with Joe and Mike.